For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Eamon Brennan, who's the senior college basketball writer for The Athletic, about, you guessed it, the March Madness Tournament, which gets going today. After the first four last night, the 2021 March Madness Tournament starts today, 9 a.m., wall-to-wall. We'll be getting college basketball all weekend long, and even a little rollover into Monday. We'll try to cover who the Final Four teams may be, who the national champion may be, and what team may blow up your bracket, and it all gets going this morning. All that is stuff we'll cover with Eamon Brennan, who joins me next. It's Friday, March 19th. It's my pleasure to welcome for the first time to the podcast, Eamon Brennan. He's the senior college basketball writer for The Athletic. And I guess you're excited this time of year that you've got something to write about because last year, man, there was all this speculation. Conference tournaments were canceled. We're getting March Madness this year. Does it feel like work to you? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's very, very exciting. Last year was very sad. I mean, it's you know it's hectic and there's a lot going on. There's a lot to write and lots of uh, radio hits and podcast hits and all that good stuff. But it's all fun because, yeah, last year was really sad. And it was really scary, too, for a while there when not just the state of the world, but like, what are sports even going to be? What is sports writing going to be? It was a little dicey there for a minute. So, yeah, this is um, this is exciting in all sorts of ways, but maybe a little bit extra exciting this year. So I get all fired up. Like the bracket comes out. And I remember being in high school and, and that's always fun because you got it like in your pocket and you're unfolding it in between classes and talking to buddies and spreading them out up on the lockers and stuff. But I would always try to get it like the day after Selection Sunday, I'd want to fill it out. Do you fill one out? Do you fill out three? Do you have a couple of different brackets? Or what's your process for, for working your way through the tournament? Uh, so I'm firmly in one bracket territory. I have written about this in the past. Back when I was at ESPN, I used to write a version of this um, every year, kind of a little column that was like, you should only do one bracket just because you know what you have and the stakes are real. If you care about filling out a bracket in the first place, like live and die with it, right? That's always been my theory. So one bracket, I kind of tend to wait until the last second, weirdly. I don't know why. It's a bad idea because in this line of work, you're asked to give your final four like five minutes after the bracket comes out and then talk <laughs> about it. So then I have that as sort of like a semi-binding thing you know if like readers are looking at my final four and then i go pick a bracket that doesn't have that final four you kind of put yourself you know you kind of skip to the end of the book first and work back from there but i'm gonna probably i I will have filled out my bracket um for me typically later in the week and i like to let things sort of mellow and figure things out from there Cool. We'll get to that in a minute because I did see the athletic writers. They did sort of the like the panel of all the college basketball writers. They had them pick their final fours, and you were a part of that, and the champion. And I'll get to that in just a couple of minutes, but let's get to the tournament itself. Obviously, they're doing this down in Indiana. It's going to be a, a bubble type of thing like they did for the NBA playoffs and sort of thought maybe this wouldn't impact the underdogs or the favorites as much as it did in the NBA because you're getting actual home court advantages in those series, and in this you'd be in a neutral site anyway. But I'm wondering how the feeling of COVID is surrounding this tournament. You've got teams like Virginia and Kansas showing up pretty much like the day before, right up close to their game time, trying to take their test, quarantine for a while, get to practices, and then hope that they can play in these games. The expectation, I think, is everybody will get their games in, but right now it's just still kind of wait and see, right? What's the status right now or the feeling on how COVID may affect the tournament? I mean, look, it's been hanging over the season the entire time. We've had a ton of canceled and postponed games throughout the season. There were teams that I think were probably more adversely affected than others. Teams who probably, you know, if things had broken in their way, might have been at the tournament 
you know, I think back to a team like St. Louis, which had a really, really long COVID pause. Richmond was a pretty good team that struggled after COVID pauses. I think everybody went into the season from the beginning, since it was clear that there was going to be a season and it was going to be slightly different than usual from basically everyone I've talked to in college basketball. And, you know, in college football, I feel like there was a little bit of like, well, this isn't fair and a little bit more carping at from program to program necessarily. There hasn't been a whole lot of that with college basketball. There really hasn't. I think everybody has done a pretty nice job of being on board with what competitively that this is just going to be even more unfair than usual. College basketball is a, a sport of big schools and tons of tiny ones. There's 357 Division One schools that are all theoretically playing for the same national title. It's not an inherently fair sport in terms of resources and so on in the first place. But I think this year everyone came in understanding it was going to be even more unfair. So I think everybody, you know, as disappointing as it would be for a Virginia or a Kansas or some other team to have to leave the NCAA tournament prematurely the way Virginia had to end its ACC tournament prematurely coming off of a buzzer-beating win over Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a bummer for everyone involved and for fans and spectators and all, all that stuff. But I think everyone is just kind of, you know, sort of way on board at this point. The idea that, hey, if that happens, that's just kind of what it is this year. And you move on. And it, whatever the case may be, it's vastly better than the alternative we had a year ago when, when college hoops was the one sport that wasn't able to finish its season. You look at some teams who who have an opportunity to do something really rare, right? Like Baylor's got a chance here as a number one. Illinois is a team a lot of people are looking at. Then there's Gonzaga. I look at Gonzaga, and I think this year it could be different, I guess, for them because, I mean, the tournament's all about guard play. We've got these adages we say every year, you know, March Madness, all about who can have the best guard play. And Jalen Suggs being there is is obviously a, a huge factor here. Is the thought that because their strength is in their guard play this year that they, being 26-0, and are the most legitimate candidate to take this thing down? Well, I mean, their strength is everywhere. Their, you know, top seven guys are as good as, you know, I think any we've seen in the past, especially the top six, probably any we've seen in the last, I mean, maybe 25 years. Like, you you look at some of the efficiency peaks they hit in terms of points per possession allowed and against and for and the margins that they were putting up midway through the year. I mean, yes, they're playing in the West Coast Conference Yes, it's a little bit different than playing in in the Big 12 or the Big 10 on a nightly basis, but still, they were putting up like Duke 2001 numbers. You know, that is crazy stuff. So yeah, their guard play is great. Jalen Suggs is great. They're versatile with their guard play. Like Andrew Nemhard is a really good guard. Sometimes comes off the bench, sometimes starts. He gives them an added option if Jalen Suggs is having an off night and having a freshman night. As we've seen a lot this year, he's he's a guy who you didn't know was going to be eligible this year and has been a huge plus. Trey Murphy's a guy like that at Virginia that throws in a little added dynamic into these guys' rosters. But I think the, also the thing about Gonzaga, I think they're underrated defensively. They got a reputation playing really fast early in the season when they were just okay defensively. I think that we probably overcorrected. Like this team is just the best offensive team in the country. They'll just outscore you and they'll give you 85 points and they'll score 95. I think they're a little bit better than that defensively. I also think we've... It's been easy to overlook Drew Timmy. If they are cold from the outside, Corey Kispert's probably the best three-point shooter in the country at a high volume. But if he's off, Jalen Suggs is having a rough night. The guards aren't getting it going. They can go down and low to Drew Timmy and get a bucket on pretty much every possession. They're not one thing that they do really well. They don't have to make a bunch of threes. They don't have to go to Timmy. They can make a bunch of threes. They're just really well-balanced. And you're right. It starts with good guard play, but they're top to bottom. Any five guys they put on the court are going to be borderline impossible for another college basketball team to guard over the course of a 40-minute, 80-possession basketball game. So funny. You're making so many good cases here for why they can be the champion. And I think a 
lot of people are looking at them and have them in their championship game. I was mentioning that the athletic college basketball staff did their picks and their Final Four, and you mentioned that you like to do yours kind of right up next to it, but you had to make your Final Four picks early. So I ran through it real quick. Check this out. 16, I think it was 16 riders that you guys polled. Nine of the 16 athletic riders had Gonzaga as their champion. 14 of the 16 had Gonzaga in their championship game, and the ones that didn't all but like one of them had Illinois or Baylor taking it down. I look at this, and there's a lot of reason, I think, to have three of the four number ones in the Final Four, but oftentimes I'll fill out my bracket and I go back and I go, that can't happen, right? Like, is that really going to happen? Are we going to get three of them in? Is it? Does it feel like it's a heavy chalk year right now? Yeah, I mean, it does happen very occasionally. I, too, like to pepper in, you know, a four seed here, maybe a three or four or five somewhere that I feel particularly strongly about. And I think there are cases you can make out there. Like I think Texas is a, a particularly interesting three seed to me, just in terms of personnel. If they're playing really well, they're they're absolutely good enough to get to the final four. I have Alabama in my final four. That's a two seed that's been really good all year that we don't have a lot of good comparisons for in terms of how they play, but I just really like. But yeah, my others are, are three seeds and it's been a really chalky sort of year all year. First, it was Gonzaga and Baylor as like, wow, these two teams are just way better than everybody else. And then Michigan sort of gradually joined that fray and was rolling its way through the Big Ten. Now, Isaiah Livers being hurt, obviously, that presents a, a bit of a wrench in the works, and that's part of the reason why I went with Alabama in the immediate aftermath. If Livers is back, then Michigan's as good as any of those, you know, as, as Gonzaga or Baylor. And in fact, Baylor might be a notch below right now because since they came back from their COVID pause, they've a team that was like top five defensively all year has been like 180th. They really have to rediscover their defense if they plan to make a deep run in the in the tournament. But yeah, and then you have Illinois that again was like a top ten team all year, top six, top seven, very very good, lots of strengths. But early in the year had some clear flaws too that they've totally patched up. Everybody, particularly their young players, have gotten a lot better. They have very few flaws at this point, with the possible exception of turnovers. And they've emerged up into that top group where you look at them, and if it weren't for an absolutely brutal region, you'd probably think they're just as likely, if not more so, than than the likes of Baylor and a potentially banged-up Michigan to be in the title game. I think a lot of people are seeing it that way. So, yeah, it does feel like all year Gonzaga and Baylor, I've been doing power rankings all year, every week, and they've been one or two all year. Like, it's never been interrupted. Um, this is the first week where if I was doing them, I would think maybe to put Illinois at number two, but there, it absolutely has been a top heavy year in the sport and it, and it works out that there are four teams that seem like they're the best four and they're the clear number one seeds. Yeah. So I'm looking at those three number ones and, and it's funny, I have Bama in my final four also, and it's partly because everything you mentioned there about Michigan, I think that they're probably, I think most people have them as the weakest number one. And I actually have St. Bonaventure knocking them off in the second round. I've got them as sort of a team that could blow up that region. Do you have a region or a side of the bracket, a part of the bracket? you like to sort of get blown up or a team you think could make a a dark horse run maybe a a UCSB or is there a 13 seed out there that's going to ruin some brackets yeah I mean there's there's a few I mean look like Syracuse is an 11 seed was playing really good down the stretch they almost didn't get in the tournament I think but their resume was way better than or their resume was way worse than how they were actually playing at the end of the year and I poked some fun at them in bubble watch but like Look, they almost beat Virginia. Like, Virginia's a good team. I think that whole region with Illinois, as much as I like Illinois, and I think they're just an awesome team, like Loyola Chicago as an eight seed, you know, the number eight is, not to go all numerology internet weirdo <laughs> on you here, but the number eight is is one higher than their Ken Palm rank. Like, they're the ninth ranked team in KenPalm.com adjusting efficiency nationally. They're one spot behind Alabama. And because of the schedule they play, obviously, they're not going to have the wins and losses to really reflect that. But it's one of the two or three best defensive teams in the country. They have a big guy in Cameron Kunzelman who's just, like, really, really good. They are 
absolutely capable of beating Illinois, you know, in a one-off 40 minute game, like absolutely capable of it. And then you look at that and you've got your, your really good number one seat out of a region gone with a region that has Cade Cunningham in it. That has a Tennessee team that guards really well, has a West Virginia team that I would not want to play. Syracuse with that two three zone is scary. And then Houston all the way down at the bottom, which is again, another one of the best defensive teams in the country that shoots a ton of threes on the other end. If they get hot, they just beat like if Houston gets hot, they beat you by 30. That's how they play. So that is the, absolutely the region that I think could go total chaos. And it's not even necessarily because of the lower seeds. Although I think actually Liberty, if they like, that's one of the best shooting teams in the country. If they get really hot, Oklahoma state, I think there's a lot of people going with Oklahoma state because of Cade Cunningham. That's a team that that could be one of your like, Oh my God, no one even talked about this upset and it happened sort of upsets before the tournament. There's a lot there in, in the Midwest region specifically that would it shock me if, you know, the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight was like totally un- unrecognizable seed-wise, not at all. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Houston there. That's a team when they do lock in defensively. I think they beat Cincinnati earlier in the season by like 30 points and then end up facing them in the conference championship. So, hey, man, I- I'm so glad it's all back. We don't talk tons of college hoops, but, Eamon, it's been a lot of fun, dude. I cannot wait to get the games going later this afternoon, man. We'll be locked in. I'll be sitting on my couch. You know, I'll pop a couple of beers, eat some hot dogs, and pretend I'm in Vegas or something, man. But uh, thanks for the time today. We'll catch up with you down the road, Eamon. Absolutely, man. It was a blast. Enjoy the tourney. All right, great stuff from Eamon Brennan there, man. I'm ready. You should be ready, too. You should be all set. If you need to make changes to your bracket, make them now. Make them quickly because we're about to get going here with the tournament. This is my favorite time of the year. Maybe my favorite weekend of the year is this first one. Like, Don't get me wrong. The Elite Eight and the Sweet 16 are a lot of fun. That's good quality basketball. But sometimes I'll take the volume and I'll take the madness. And because of the COVID stuff we were talking about early on with Eamon, this may end up being, even for March Madness standards, one of the wildest weekends or the wildest tournaments we've ever seen. Thank you to Eamon. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear which stories you'd like to hear coming out of Bay Area sports as we cruise into the spring and the summer. Want to let you know, we will be off on Monday. No show on Monday. I'm going to be knee-deep in the college basketball. That's what's going on. We'll be back with you Wednesday with plenty more to get you ready for Giants baseball, Warrior basketball, and all that the Bay Area sports scene has to offer as we inch closer to the orange tier. How exciting is that here in San Francisco? Until Until then, enjoy the tournament. Enjoy this weekend. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. It's officially tourney time.